Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. The government shutdown drags on, now in its second week. And there are consequences, of course, around the country. This from uh, WalletHub.com. They've come out with a ranking of which states are most adversely affected by the government shutdown. Utah ranks 14th among the states. Uh, With the national parks, that seems a little bit uh, low in the rankings. Idaho ranks uh, ninth. Uh, We are going to talk with uh, people around Utah today who are affected by the government shutdown. We're putting out the question to you, how are you affected And what do you think can and should be done? Those are two simple questions for you. Anything else you'd like to comment? The number is 1-800-826-1495. Don't worry, during this hour, we won't hit you up for a donation. Uh, We'll just take your comment. 1-800-826-1495. Or you can join us on Facebook, Utah Public Radio Facebook page, or upraxis at gmail.com. We are going to be talking with uh, Maria Twitchell, Iron County Bryan Head Tourism Board, Lance Surrett, owner of Ruby's Inn at Bryce Canyon City, Kelly Stowell, Kane County Economic Development, and uh, Chris Cox later in the hour, Workforce Services Executive Director for Utah. Right now we bring in Thomas Burr, Senior Washington Correspondent for the Salt Lake Tribune. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Thomas, for having me. Uh, we talked to you most recently with the incident in uh, Washington, D.C., with the uh, gunshots fired. It's, it, it seems like it's pretty tense times th- today, or these days, in Washington, politically and uh, these security issues. Yeah, well, thank goodness we're not talking about any shootings today. But, uh, you know, it certainly is a, uh, a very tense time here. Uh, you, you know, I think both sides are very dug in. Uh, the word of the day today is thawing. The idea that, you know, maybe some relations here are, are starting to thaw. Maybe some breakthrough may happen at some point. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're, we're still stuck in, what, 10 days into the shutdown. Not really sure if uh, these sides can figure it out. Next week's uh, debt ceiling deadline on the 17th is, is a really big one. And, uh, you know, hopefully by then, uh, you know, these people start talking. They can figure out a compromise. What are, uh, what are you hearing from congressmen and senators about that debt ceiling? That's, that's as you mentioned, that's the next big deadline. It is, I and mean, these two issues are becoming very conflated right now because any deal that they're going to reach is going to include, you know, bringing the government back to open and, you know, fixing this uh, debt ceiling, raising the debt ceiling. Uh, right now, the, the, I'm actually at the White House uh, where the president's going to meet later today with uh, Senate Democrats uh, and some House Republicans. Yesterday, the president met with uh, House Democrats. Uh, the idea being that at least let's start having some conversations about this and stop talking through press releases and uh, and, and, and press statements. Uh, so, you know, I guess uh, the question becomes, you know, will we raise the debt ceiling? No one I've talked to is, is necessarily uh, against raising the debt ceiling. They just want concessions for raising the debt ceiling. Uh, almost the same way as uh, reopening the government. They want to make sure that if we're going to, uh, you know, reopen the government that there's some some reason we're doing it that uh, includes, you know, like spending cuts or, or some kind of uh, change to the uh, health care law. Are you hearing any movement at all from, from either side? Yeah, in fact, there, there's some. In fact, uh, the, the House Speaker just uh, signaled this morning that he's uh, willing to put up a, uh, a temporary debt ceiling raise, maybe six weeks. So we might be back here talking about the same thing in a, in a few weeks. But that's at least some movement. Uh, I think we've seen some people who are not talking as much about uh, delaying or defunding the uh, Affordable Care Act as much as they are talking about trying to get some uh, entitlement reform at some point. So there, there is there's some movement. It, it's, it's small, and I guess we'll have to wait to see if it actually comes through. But they're, at least they're talking about it. Hmm. Now, some people are probably go along. They're not affected much at all. Others are very severely affected. It, it's sort of hit and miss. Depends on what your job is. 
No, it's absolutely true. If you're a federal worker and you're furloughed, you know, that's, that's a big deal. You're wondering when your next paycheck's going to come. Um, for some people, it may be uh, more indirect. They may not actually see. They work in the private sector. Um, you know, the services they are used to are, are still there uh, because of the essential personnel. So there are some situations where, you know, you're, you're not seeing it yet. However, if this keeps going on, if we're, you know, a month into a shutdown, if we don't raise the debt ceiling, those are pretty dire circumstances uh, that we could be facing. And, and that'll impact uh, everyone, even if you're uh, you know, really not uh, seeing the uh, impact now. Now, of course, unfortunately, there's the political calculations, I'm sure, going on among all parties as to who they think is going to take the blame for this. And, and that, that uh, sort of shifts the, the debate, doesn't it? I don't know where the polls are now. It, it, it's, it's not looking good for uh, for anyone necessarily, but uh, I think uh, Republicans are taking more of the brunt of the blame. Uh, but that's where we get to, Tom. It, it, everyone wants to win. Um, you know, no one wants to walk away and, and, and put up the white flag and say, okay, you get everything you want on the other side. Uh, so right now, I think the idea is, okay, uh, if we're you know, able to pass a budget, even a short-term stopgap budget, what can I get for that that I can go back to my base and see, look, you know, I, I did this for a reason and we got something. Um, uh, you know, the White House obviously is not going to, and, and Democrats are not going to uh, concede that they're going to, you know, change dramatically their signature health care law. Uh, but they are willing, you know, to do some things like, well, let's work on some tax reform, some uh, reforms to Social Security, uh, which then Republicans could take back and say, you know, we, we, you know, yes, we had to shut down the government, but we got something for it. And in the meantime, as you mentioned, uh, you know, some some uh, federal workers deemed essential still are not going to get a paycheck. They're essentially working for free. Yeah, it's a really tough time for those people. I have several friends here in Washington in, in that boat, for example. Uh, you know, the idea is uh, it's not a guarantee that the people who are furloughed are going to get paid. People who are essentially who are working now, it is guaranteed they will get paid when the government reopens. Uh, but, you know, the question is when. Uh, like I say, we're 10 days in now. Uh, we don't have a deal. We're, we're still just in the beginning stages, it seems, of talking about a deal. Uh, so this could go on uh, past through maybe the next paycheck. Uh, and I know, you know, uh, similarly, I'm sure there's a lot of people in Utah that face these things who, uh, you know, both uh, both uh, parents are uh, federal workers. You know, they might have kids and they're trying to figure out how are we going to pay our mortgage? How are we going to deal with child care? You know, uh, how are we going to put food on the table? So, you know, it, it really does uh, look down. Some people are, you know, extremely worried about this and should be. The... The symbolism of the government uh, has been highlighted in recent weeks. Uh, uh, you know, World War II veterans trying to visit the memorial, uh, that sort of sure. thing. His dramatic pictures. Uh, I'm reading in USA Today, a, a man uh, got tired of the uh, of the lawn not being mowed uh, at the National Mall and took a lawnmower to the, to the grass. There, it's just sort of the, the symbolism of this is highlighted in a time like this. No, absolutely. That, that's true. I saw the pictures of the guy at the uh, Lincoln Memorial uh, mowing the uh, mowing grass, carrying a South Carolina flag. Uh, that was uh, that's quite interesting. The one, the one fascinating part of a government shutdown is that, yes, there are certain parts of the government that are still up and running. And that's why people probably don't see uh, the, the effects as much just yet. Because when you go to the airport, TSA is still on the job. You know, there are uh, the courts are still open for, uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, you're going to see those things. You're going to get your Social Security check first. So right now, in many ways, the, the, the media impacts um, aren't as big. Of course, the pictures of national parks being closed, um, it, you know, it's not great, but it's also not the, the highest time a visitor uh, access as it would be in, say, you know, June or July or August. Uh, 
However, there are many studies that are showing that, you know, the government shutdown is costing, you know, the economy, uh, you know, millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars a, a, a day that this goes on. Uh, and, you know, in, in the end, the indirect impacts are, are to the economy could be could be pretty, pretty bad. Uh, Governor Herbert um, has sent a letter and he's he's talked to uh, Secretary Jewell. Um, he's offering to have the state, in, in at least a partial way, take over the uh, federal parks, get them reopened. Um, I, I saw that. I'm not sure how that actually would work uh, in many ways. Uh, I, I don't know that the, that the state could technically you know, loan money to the federal government, and I'm not sure the federal government has the power to accept it or to, to try to reopen it in some way. Uh, I, I don't know that that works. It also is it's just a fascinating look at uh, you know what parts of government uh, some people like and want to fund. You know, Solly County stepped forward, uh, for example, for the women, infants, and children's uh, money to make sure that you know the mothers could get uh, uh, milk for their for their their kids for their infants. Um, you know, there's other things that are important to others, like reopening national parks. Uh, in the end, it's not sustainable to to be sitting sitting here and trying to figure out, well, let's fund this, but we're not going to worry about this till later. Uh, I, I think most people would rather just have the government running again. As we look uh, toward the future, you say there, there's a, the talk today is a bit of a thaw. What would, from what you're hearing, what would the outlines of an agreement look like? You know, I, I think Senator Warren Hatch, I talked to him the other day, is, uh, is, is kind of figuring out the path forward. Let's, uh, let's figure out a, uh, uh, some kind of structure for entitlement and tax reform that we can, we can agree on so we don't end up here. Uh, again, in six months, trying to figure this out. Let's let's do you know use this 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 situation to form uh, a long term uh, action that would that would actually do something here in Washington. Uh, but again, we're we're not there yet. We're still the beginning structure of our beginning talks of actually kind of some kind of deal. So um, you know, I think concessions from both sides are going to have to be. Uh, the White House is going to say, okay, we can do cuts. The Republicans are going to have to say that's enough for me, and then maybe we can move forward. Of course, predictions are dangerous. I'm going to ask you to, you know, if you if you're willing, would <laughs> how how long do you think this goes on? You know, I don't think that uh, anyone who's dealing with the situation now in, in Congress or the White House wants to signal to the markets or, or the rest of the world that that we can't pay our debts. Uh, so next week, the 17th, uh, is, is a really big deadline. Um, at least by then, we might push through some kind of stopgap, something. Temporary. They will put us through for a little while, so we're we're not going to, uh, you know, tank tank the stock market or 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 tell everyone that we we can't do our own business here. Hmm. Thomas Burr is a senior Washington correspondent for the Salt Lake Tribune, and uh, he's been talking with us about the government shutdown. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. And we are opening the phone lines uh, to you, even though we're in the fun drive. We uh, will open the phone lines during this hour for your comment. I'm very curious to know how the federal government shutdown is affecting you personally, or maybe someone you know. For example, I have a brother-in-law in Washington, D.C. who's been affected. He's, uh, he was uh, furloughed. I haven't talked to him lately to see if he's back to work. But, uh, um, but so I have a, a direct effect through relation. Um, you go to websites of the federal government, and those are shut down. Uh, any applications and uh, and the like. Uh, it's kind of a smaller uh, scale effects. But of course, if you live in some of the areas near the national parks, you are very much affected. Utah is rated by Wallet Hub. 
uh, com as the 14th most affected state. By the way, Iowa was the least affected. Idaho ranks ninth on that list to just give you a, uh, people who've been doing some rankings. I'm curious about you, your situation personally. Uh, I'd love to have your comment. Also, what what should be done? What do you think should be done to end this impasse? 1-800-826-1495 is the number. 1-800-826-1495. You can join us on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page, and you can join us by email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. And how is this affecting you emotionally? Maybe you couldn't care less. Maybe this is not affecting you at all, or you you might be one of those people uh, getting ready to march on Washington. We uh, bring in next... Uh, our next guest is Maria Twitchell, who is with Iron County Bryanhead Tourism Board. Maria Twitchell, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. How is, uh, how is Iron County in that area affected by the, the shutdown? Well, uh, we're a gateway community into the national parks, and we also are home to a national monument, which is Cedar Breaks National Monument. So, uh, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're definitely being affected by what's going on. Uh, you know, we typically have anywhere, you know, being a gateway community and we're right on uh, the I-15 access. We, this time of year is typically one of our better times of the year. I mean, it's kind of that last bit push um, as we go into the winter season. So we're seeing, you know, a lot of Canadian travelers, a lot of foreign-based travelers. And so, um, and they're having a hard time. They're having a hard time finding uh, places to go and, um, you know, trying to make changes to their plans. And so we're we're basically on high alert here just trying to help those that are already here uh, to, you know, find an alternative. And, you know, we're, we're very fortunate that we live here in southern Utah because there are some great alternatives for people to go and enjoy with our state parks. The state parks have really stepped forward and um, are embracing, uh, you know, some record numbers of people. Um and we're, you know, uh, trying to give them some alternatives as to, to make their vacation better. Um, moving forward, um, we're anticipating a huge drop in numbers just because now people are going to, people are going to stop making their plans to come into the area. And it's going to be quite unfortunate uh, for our businesses and um, anywhere from lodging to, to restaurants. So. How much of a drop off from say last year? What are you seeing? Um, I would easily, you know, ten to fifteen percent. You know, we're at a gateway community, and so we're not as affected as say like Springdale or Bryce Canyon City. But you know, for us, that's a huge percentage. After next week, I think if this continues on, it'll be uh, huge. It'll be incredibly big numbers. So. Um, but for us, you know, these are all small businesses here in this part of the state. So that kind of, even those kinds of drops, you know, affect their bottom line and, and you know, affect whether they're going to continue to, you know, keep people employed. And um, and it's going to, you know, we could look at some de- devastating numbers. Um, you, know, the pers- you know, the perspective is, is if a, if a, a visitor spends... $130 a day in a community, you know, to start timesing the numbers, uh, you know, like we typically have at least a thousand national park visitors in our, in our city every day, you know, that adds up pretty quick. Mm. Um, and this will have ripple effects. It, oh, absolutely. Sure. I mean, yeah. it's not just the spending, it's now employment. People will start laying people off, uh, fairly quickly, uh, 
And then we also rely a lot on employee, you know, we have a lot of government employees in this area who are now not collecting a paycheck and now are not spending their dollars in our communities as well. So, yes, there's quite a there's quite a ripple effect. Mm. Um, I'm reading here from the uh, the spectrum or St. George dot com. Excuse me. St. George dot com. Um, San Juan County Commissioner Phil Lyman, I'm quoting here, uh, wrote over Facebook, apparently, that the county planned to, quote, peacefully remove the barriers to places like Lake Powell, Natural Bridges, Canyonlands, and Hovenweep to allow visitors to enjoy the places. That actually has been put on hold, however. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> I, I don't know. Has there been any talk of that kind of thing where you are? Uh, yeah, they were, they were uh, trying to negotiate with Zion National Park yesterday as well as with Bryce uh, to get those roads open. Uh, I understand uh, this, uh, this morning those talks have come to a stop for at least for today because um, we had hoped that we could have some sort of idea or a plan in place to get those parks, those you know, those roads open. Uh, and so I guess I think the commissioners are meeting today to see what their options are uh, moving forward. It's um, we were very fortunate with our national monument. The road is an access road, so we were able to. Um, people are being diverted through that area so that they can at least see, uh, get a national park experience through our national monument. But resources are closed. You know, restrooms aren't available. You know, limited public safety in, t- in terms in the park. Our our sheriffs have had to provide the public safety. Um, and, uh, you know, and they're just, uh, there isn't that National Park Service person there to give, uh, you know, give the educational experience uh, that people want when they come to our, to enjoy the national parks. Interesting. So in some areas, I guess you could still go into the national park. You just maybe you wouldn't be able to go in some areas. Yeah. You know, Cedar Breaks is one of them. Um, Zion, uh, you can you can drive your car along Highway 9, but you are not allowed to stop uh, anywhere or take pictures, and you're not um, the road is closed into the main canyon. So you can um, you can go into the town of Springdale, where essentially the cliffs of Zion are all around you, uh, and so you can still in, enjoy that. But like if you want to go to Bryce Canyon, you're complete you are completely shut off. So I guess the the big impact is the word is out and uh, people are not coming. Yeah, so we've seen cancellations um, and stays. Right now we're dealing with a lot of uh, stays that are being cut short. Uh, and then now or the cancellations are starting to come through. <clears throat> and, you know, the long, and we'll see this probably long term as people are trying to make their decisions, their vacation decisions, they're going to look at it and say, well, should we take the risk of, of going to these national parks if they're not going to be available. So we could see this go on for months, and that's that's our fear, is is how long is this going to continue on. And we've, you know, the state of Utah and, and all these counties have spent a lot of money um, promoting these national parks. You know, the state Office of Tourism put $3.1 million into what they called the Mighty Five campaign uh, to promote national parks as, you know, this best vacation choice out there and you know and we're starting to see stuff from that this and now all that work is you know is kind of going away and all the money that the counties have put into you know promoting these national parks as great resources as great vacation opportunities you know we're starting to see those kinds of things all that those efforts kind of go away 
Well, we appreciate you getting us up to date on this, um, and uh, we'll all be watching, of course. Uh, Maria Twitchell, Iron County Brinehead Tourism Board, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll continue talking about the effects of the government shutdown in Utah. And we're throwing out the question to you, how is this affecting you? And what do you think should be done? The number is 1-800-826-1495. Our email is upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. And you can join us on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. Um, we are, uh, when we come back, we'll be talking with Lance Surrett, owner of Ruby's Inn in Bryce Canyon City, also greatly affected by the government shutdown. Later on, we'll be talking with Chris Cox from Utah's Workforce Services. And your comments following the break. Make your reservations now for dinner with Zorba Pastor of Zorba Pastor on Your Health. Enjoy a vegetarian or meat selection and a festival of fall flavors prepared by the chefs at Herm's Inn in Logan, Thursday, October 17th. This private dinner will benefit local programming on Utah Public Radio. Reservation details about UPR's dinner with Public Radio's favorite doc, Zorba Pastor, online at upr.org. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Bonnie Plants, plant growers since 1918 dedicated to sharing a love of gardening to help people become successful and productive vegetable and herb gardeners. Information is at bonnieplants.com. And the George S. Eccles Eye Center, presenting a benefit ice hockey game between the Utah Grizzlies and the Idaho Steelheads, Friday, October 11th at 7 p.m. Ticket information is at 435-787-2288. The federal government shutdown is in its second week. We talked to Thomas Burr, senior White House Washington correspondent for the Salt Lake Tribune earlier in the program. Uh, he says he's uh, somewhat hopeful that the next deadline, the uh, federal debt ceiling, may help break this impasse. Uh, today, talk is of a thaw, so-called thaw, but it still looks like a pretty bad impasse in Washington. And, of course, some people are not much affected. Uh, if you work for the federal government, you may well be affected. You may be on furlough, not getting a paycheck. And uh, many areas in Utah, especially southern Utah, are greatly affected. We're talking to some of those people. Lance Surrett is uh, up next, uh, an owner of uh, Ruby's Inn in Bryce Canyon City. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. I appreciate you helping us uh, tell our story. So uh, tell us how this uh, shutdown has affected uh, Ruby's Inn. You know, this, this shutdown has been absolutely devastating for us. You know, to, uh, to date, um, you know, the first 10 days of this month, we've already lost uh, about three-quarters of a million dollars in reservations, about a million and a half in potential revenue. And that's, uh, you know, for the rest of the month. So so this normally, you know, when I was listening to uh, Mr. Burr, you know, talk about uh, some of the impl- 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 implications of the shutdown, and uh, one mistake he, uh, he made was that this was a slow time for the national parks. As Maria Twitchell said, this is an extremely busy time for the national parks. You know, one thing that, that is talked about is the, uh, you know, okay, well, the baby boomers, there's a million of those guys, they're all retiring. They all wait until September and October to go on vacation. You'll see more people on September 30th and October 5th in Bryce Canyon than you will on July 5th. This is an extremely important time to be closed down. So to, to try to say, well, the effect is mitigated because by a slow season, that's a huge mistake that uh, that, that, that Washington is making by considering 
what's going on down here. I imagine you would support the governor's uh, plan to have uh, state officials uh, take over temporarily running the national parks just to get them up and going. A hundred percent. You know, uh, Lance, I private citizen down here was <laughs> ready to organize volunteers. I'd been in uh, touch with our county commissioners and I was aware of the plan and we were going to organize volunteers to go clean restrooms and to, uh, and to facilitate the services. And that was going to happen this morning. And, and of course, because of threat of uh, end up in federal prison of our elected officials and our sheriff's department, then then that plan uh, ended up, uh, you know, not working. But I was going to say, absolutely, we're we're 100 percent in support of it. We are dying on the vine down here, and of course, you know, we as Ruby's Inn, we kind of carry the flag for the other businesses around here. You know, Ruby's Inn's the icon, but there's a ton of little businesses around here that are suffering. And of course, uh, the only thing that saved us this first week and a half. Of the, of the park closures is the fact that uh, the National Park Lodges have been closed. So you've got between the Wallweep Lodge, the Lake Powell, the North Rim of the Grand Canyon, the Zion National Park Lodge, the Bryce Canyon Lodge. You know, you got five, 600 reservations, you know, people that showed up on October 1st or met at the gate and said, hey, you can't reach your hotel that you're staying at. So that's the only thing that's mitigated the effect down here is that, you know, okay, you got some people that had enough time to cancel, but you've got a lot of people, international people that are in the middle of a, you know, 15-day vacation. You know, you know what are they supposed to do? Hmm. Yeah, I suppose you could. Uh, I notice there's uh, websites that will uh, give you ideas of where to go for for state uh, parks. You know. Yeah, and, and we've set up a uh, makeshift, um, you know, uh, information and visitor center in our lobby here, and uh, just to kind of correct something that Maria said too. You, you can see Bryce Canyon, not the um, not the main amphitheater, not the main part of the national park, but we have, uh, as a company, going back to when uh, good old Ruby homesteaded this area, he actually has a, there's a uh, part of the rim, a private area, which we've been taking tours since the shutdown. We've uh, done that at our own expense. It's a free tour. We take people out to the rim, and, and they can still have a little bit of the Bryce Canyon experience. Also, Highway 12, which is a main state access, uh, they can't close that, and that, uh, you can see Bryce Canyon that way. The main amphitheater, no, you can't see it, but, you know, it's similar to, to Zion Canyon. You can still have some of the experience, but, you know, not all of it, of course. So uh, if you're still able to experience some of it, I, I guess, as I had mentioned to Maria Twitchell, the, the real harm is the the word is out. Perception is you, you, you can't, you know, why why come? Let's not, let's not go. Absolutely. As I say, we are a seasonal business. We make our money in six months. Uh, the other six months we starve. And uh, in October is one of our revenue-producing months. And uh, looking at the end of the, you know, towards the end of the month, you know, even at the parks open today, I agree with Maria. I think the damage has already already been done. And I think the damage, you know, is far-reaching. I, I think of, you know, okay, this, you know, typical uh, tourist from uh, Germany that's on the road right now, he's going to go back and say, you won't believe I, I paid – all this money, I've saved my whole life to go see the national parks, and you won't believe what they did to me. You know, they, they closed the parks. You know, you hear the stories about up in Yellowstone, how they had uh, people uh, held up in the lodge with assault rifles. Anyway, so th- this has long-reaching uh, implications. Uh, talking about Maria Twitchell, she said, you know, in the state of Utah, the, the, their uh, main advertising campaign this year focused on the national parks, the Mighty Five. And it was extremely successful. We've had our best year since 2008. In the in the state in general, has had our best year since 2008. And that money, uh, you know, has been invested. You know, it's it's the taxpayers' money. And uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's been wasted, but you know, we've worked really hard to get our season longer. You know, it used to be when I was a kid around here. Uh, 
you know, after Labor Day, you could pretty much close the doors because there wasn't many people around. But September and October have become two of our biggest months. And what's going to happen to that person in Germany or France or Italy or, or China or whatever who's planning to come to the West, come to Utah, and they look at that date of September 30th and say, there's no way I'm going to travel during the month of October because what if this happens again? So the long-term implications, you know, years down the road, the, the threat that this could happen again, you know, who can quantify that? Who knows what's going to happen? Hmm. So Lance Sarret, uh, voter, citizen, uh, who, right. who, uh, who do you blame? <laughs> who do I blame? I blame them all. I was going to say, I, um, you know, if you, if you don't agree with their politics, vote them all out. I was going to say, let's vote all the incumbents out. If you, if, you, if you agree with one party, but you don't agree with the tactics, let's do primary challenges. Let's get them all out of there. So I, I, I don't, I mean, the, I, I agree with some of the principles of what they're trying to do. These tactics are going to kill us. They are absolutely going to kill us and all these little businesses around here. And, uh, you know, Garfield County, where Bryce Canyon is, is 95% state and federal land. People on the East Coast have no idea what that means. You know what I'm saying? 95% state and federal land, which means that when they lock up the key, we're, we're locked up. You know, I mean, literally, the, the whole area is locked up when, uh, when the national park, when the, when the federal government is offline. Now, you mentioned uh, there were going to be some private citizens go in and clean bathrooms and, and do some work. Right. You're being prevented from doing that? Yeah, well, you know, they basically, uh, you know, the word we received was uh, that, uh, you know, the, the commissioners had the plan. It was a similar plan to what San Juan County was going to do, Iron County, Washington. And, uh, you know, the word uh, came out last night that uh, basically anybody that goes through the gates is going to be arrested and thrown in federal prison. So, you know, as much as I want to get the national parks open, I got a family to support, and I can't really spend much time in federal prison. So, how much longer do you think that this can go on without uh, businesses failing, without some very dire consequences? Well, I was gonna say it's just up to the you know the different businesses. You know, um, you know we're gonna weather this. We weathered nine eleven, you know, which was probably a worse uh, situation, and we weathered other uh, you know problems over the years. You know, different. Uh, natural disasters and terrorism. I mean, we're going to weather this. You know, the, the long-term implications is, is uh, uh, for example, uh, we had a meeting last week, and, and uh, we were going to invest about a million dollars in infrastructure this uh, this this winter, as far as you know, fixing up a product, you know, paint on the walls, wallpaper, you know, things like that that a hotel has to do in the winter. All that stuff's off the table. You know, that money was going to go to local communities, as far as you know, paying the the merchant down the street to buy the paint paying the painters to come in and paint the, the whatever and, and do. So all that money, I mean, the long-term implications of this are just, uh, you know, you can't even quantify that yet. And looking back, you know, this time next year, you look at it and say, okay, all these dips and uh, the economy and things here in southern Utah, you know, you can point it directly to this. Hmm. You know, and one, and one other thing I just wanted to bring up real quick is, you know, Thomas also mentioned, you know, the federal workers – you know, not getting paid. When they use that word or that phrase, not getting paid, that's not the same as we use it. Because everybody knows that when these federal employees go back to work, they're going to get paid. The precedent is there. They've always got paid when they got furloughed. It's the equivalent of a paid vacation by the time it's all said and done. And I, and I feel their pain. I mean, I have a lot of friends that work for the federal government. And, you know, and they, they've got to make ends meet in the meantime until they get a paycheck. That being said, they are going to get a paycheck. Who is standing there at the end of this who's going to pay my people, the private industries who are being hurt at this, hurt by this at the National Park? There's nobody even talking about that. 
Uh, Lance Iret is an owner of Ruby's Inn in Bryce Canyon City. I, I guess the word that you would get out to people, what you can still come and see part of the park, is that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. As I say, you come into Ruby's here, we've got a free tour to the rim of the canyon. You can access it yourself. Also, um, you know, Highway 12 uh, that goes through uh, Bryce Canyon, that was voted the number two uh, most scenic highway in the world just about a month ago. So so to say you can't see anything here is uh, is is not correct. Um you know, it's uh, it's still a beautiful area. You can still see parts of the Bryce Canyon, and uh, and we'd love to invite anybody that can come see us. <laughs> you know, we're hurting. You know, come and support the little businesses down here. They're going to need you. Thanks, Lance Arrett with the Rubies Inn in Bryce Canyon City. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. We're talking about the government shutdown, how it's affecting you. That's the question we're throwing out to you. The number is 1-800-826-1495. You could comment on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page, or you can email us at upraxis at gmail.com. We're talking with uh, several people very directly affected by the government shutdown. Kelly Stowell is up next to Kane County Economic Development. Uh, thank you for joining us. Hello. How's it going? Uh, going well. Going well here. Uh, how about there? How, how's this affecting Kane County? Well, this has not uh, been good for us. Knab, we're right in the heart of the parks. We've got one of the highest concentration of parks uh, in the state and in the nation with uh, the north rim of the Grand Canyon, Zion, and, of course, uh, Bryce Canyon. And it was good to hear from uh, Mr. Surrett, uh previously, and I could echo a lot of words that he said and uh, things that Maria has, has said as well about about our uh, King County neighbors. Uh, I know uh, Grand County has uh, issued a proclamation declaring a state of local emergency. I imagine things are uh, are to that level in King County, Marley? Absolutely. And uh, our uh, our county has joined with those efforts. And we hope it goes somewhere. We hope that this can be resolved uh, soon. This This is an unnatural disaster that is completely preventable, and we hope that the federal government will will work with us um, to help alleviate this. You know, like like we say in Southern Utah, when the sun's shining, we make hay. Right. And this is, the sun is shining right now. This is one of our busiest times uh, of the year, and our hands are are really tied as far as the national parks go. But yeah, we. I mean, I want to stay positive. There's so much more country to visit. I mean, us, us locals, we don't really go to the parks anyway. So we're trying to highlight that there's a lot of other uh, places to visit and other things happening in southern Utah. Uh, so uh, maybe you could highlight some of those for us, get, get the word out. Um, so uh, I have a conference coming up it's called the Canab Writers Conference. And uh, this is our fourth year. We've got a great uh, event planned. And uh, this is a place to come and get inspired, and, and you really can get the best of both worlds with some uh, technical training in the classroom. And then with all of our uh, land surrounding our community, there's, lot, like I said, lots of other things to see. Uh, we also have what's called the Business of Art Conference. It's coming up in the first part of November. It's uh, business training for artists. We have a lot of artists down here, and they're going to especially need this training after this whole uh, government shutdown mess. <laughs> mm. um, putting sort of your, you know, your maybe your political hat on, who do, who do you blame for this? Do you, or do you blame anyone? Are you, what, what are your thoughts? Um, well, it's a complicated 
tough issue, and I mean, we can blame everybody. <laughs> I, I don't think it's party specific, and this is just not friendly to business. This is not good. Mm. Like what's been echoed is the damage is irreversible mm. at this point. So let's find a solution. And unfortunately, that's left up to the suits in Washington, mm. and they're not doing us any favors on either side. Uh, you called this an unnatural disaster. Um, it, maybe you could uh, highlight again for us the economic impact of this. Uh, in terms of uh, visitation last year to, to this year, is it is it down to, to that it, level, the disaster? Oh, absolutely. We had a record, uh, we had a record year last year for uh, tourism specific. I mean, the, the economy of where I, I'm located, I don't want to say it's unhealthy, but it's unbalanced. And there's a big emphasis on, on tourism and government jobs. Those are our two biggest sectors. And those are obviously affected uh, negatively by the shutdown. Uh, I wonder, uh, there, there's been a lot of talk, and we talked with Lance Syrett about this, of county officials or just private citizens uh, saying, hey, we can, we can run the parks for a while, but uh, haven't been able to come to an agreement. Has there been any talk like that in, uh, in Kane County? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we have people that would go and, and do it. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be uh, an option right now. I know our county commissioners have been negotiating with uh, federal government officials, uh, folks with Zion, and uh, haven't made much progress. It seems like I, I came through Zion yesterday and I thought that they were going to hand me a blindfold when I drove through. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being facetious, but but again, this is, this is not good. I mean, we we rely on access to the land, and it seems like we're continually told no all the time. And when we're limited, it just, like I said, negative, negative implications. Oh, Kelly Stoll with Kane County Economic Development. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It's the picture in, in Kane County. Thank you. Um, and we uh, conclude our program uh, on the government shutdown. We're asking you uh, how this is affecting you and what do you think can be done. We bring in Chris Cox with uh, Utah Workforce Services, Executive Director for Workforce Services. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And actually, I have a new title. Oh, okay. So now, no, that's okay. I'm now in the Governor's Office of Management and Budget. So we're seeing this from a pretty large enterprise perspective. So what uh, did, we've been talking with uh, specific businesses and counties. What, what's your perspective uh, uh, as we pull back to look at the state of Utah as a whole? Uh, well, every week and month that goes by, the impact increases. You know, for the first few days, and quite actually, you know, we all thought there's no way this is going to go longer, and it kept going. So for the first few days, it was okay, but um, some agencies are impacted more than others. National Guard's being hit the most right now. Um, up to almost 172 furloughs. And that's pretty devastating to individual families. Um, fortunately, we're not seeing that number of furloughs in other agencies. But again, as time progresses, the impact increases as well. Hmm. Uh, now, the governor has uh, suggested a plan whereby uh, state park officials uh, can run things in the national parks. Um, it, it, 
and I don't know where that's going to go in Washington, but uh, you do have a plan in place, it sounds like, Governor's office. Uh, the governor's being very proactive on this. He's um, reached out to the Department of Interior and the feds to really see if there's some viable solutions that could make a difference for people on the ground. He's very aware of the impact it's having on the counties and local business, the tourism sector, and um, is doing all he can to see if he can find some solutions mm-hmm. to work with the um, feds on this issue. Now, on the, on the state level, what, what can you do uh, to mitigate the economic impact? You know, there's, there's really a limit to how much we can do. You know, our state coffers aren't meant to have a back, to backfill um, potential uh, loss of all the federal uh, funds that come into the state. So there's a process we're going through right now, which is, is really um, articulating and identifying all the programs that um, – would shut down starting October, then November, and then through Jan- um, through December. Um, each month there'll be more and more programs that shut down, understanding the impact on employees and making sure that we can do all we can to maintain benefits for them. And um, when it comes to it, you know, are there priority programs that we may have to backfill? That's a discussion we have to have with the legislature. They have to appropriate those funds. And um, we're in, you know, meeting, meeting with um one of their guys today at 1030 to start going through some of those details. There's always so much the state can do and where we can make a difference, we'll try. It's also going to be incumbent upon, you know, if it keeps going longer and more and more people are impacted on the ground, that the community gets involved and tries to create safety nets for people where programs may no longer exist. That uh, sounds like a pretty grim process. You're, you're doing contingency planning. What uh, yeah. What are some of the... Uh, deadlines, you might call them, when when things are really going to get uh, bad. Well, Some and I hate to say grim because the, 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 on the flip side, there's a lot of programs that will stay open as long as the federal government can continue to make payments and meet its obligations. For example, Medicaid, which impacts you know hundreds of thousands of people, we anticipate those funds to still flow. Chip, you know, child care, or, sorry, health care for children still remains open, unemployment insurance. So there's still a lot of core programs that help vulnerable people that we anticipate will remain open. We're watching that to see if with the debt ceiling, if the feds have to prioritize. But um, at this point today, from what we know, we anticipate. But when we get into October, you know, we could anticipate problems with the food stamp program. We could anticipate some program problems later on in, in the month or going into um, November about child care subsidies. Uh, there's smaller grant programs that don't impact a lot of people um, that maybe are research-based grants, things like that, that, you know, will we'll continue to um, fall away. But those are much smaller impacts. So it's, it's, it's not a, a pleasant place to be in for people. And luckily, it's not as bad as it could be. But again, the longer this lasts, the greater the impact. Finally, what is, is there a, I don't know, Utah.gov, a website, people have questions perhaps on uh, where they could go to state government? Yeah, Utah.gov is a great resource. They should interface directly with their specific agency because every agency is going to have a different contingency plan. Some agencies where they've had some small furloughs, they've been able to reassign those people. Where some grants have ended, they've been able to work with the community to make sure those services continue to go on. Um, for example, I really want to do a shout out to some of these doctors. We had some refugee health screenings grant that came to an end, and doctors agreed to continue to help serve some of those those folks until the federal government comes back online. So go to the site, reach out to your individual agency. It's great for the community to be involved. Watch out for your neighbor. And, um, you know, we're just being very diligent and making sure we, we have a full understanding of the impact as we move forward.
Chris Cox with the uh, the governor's office on management budget. Is that, That's it. Did I get it right? Got it. Okay. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks. Okay. Bye bye. And uh, we've been talking about the effect in Utah of the federal government shutdown, which is now in the second week. Don't know how long it's uh, going to go. Um, we will end the program with this comment, which uh, came in from uh, Larry Glickman. He says, hi, Tom. My wife and I are both federal employees working for Bryce Canyon National Park and Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument and UPR members. So thank you. I just want to clarify that it's not the park rangers closing the parks. It's the federal government and the inability of Congress to pass a budget. Park superintendents and monument managers are doing what they are told by their supervisors in Washington. So a point taken, Larry. And he continues, there's and there's no guarantee that we will receive any back pay. So right now, my wife and I have no income to support our family. Thank you for your time. That's Larry Glickman. So thank you for the comment, Larry, and uh, good luck to everyone that we have talked to today who's uh, uh, quite directly affected by this government shutdown. You can continue to comment on this topic. Go to our Utah Public Radio Facebook page or comment to upraxis at gmail.com. Join us tomorrow. Uh, Sherry Quinn is in with Science Questions. I believe she has more on air quality. And until then, I'm Tom Williams for producers Katie Swain and Bennett Purser. Thanks for listening today. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan. Now open Monday through Saturday until 2 with a changing menu of a specialty salad, French breakfast pastries with local seasonal fruits, and lunch sandwiches. And by the Chamber Music Society of Logan, opening their 33rd season with the Emerson String Quartet playing music of Mozart and Beethoven Thursday, October 10th at 7.30 in the USC Performance Hall. Information at cmslogan.org. Utah Public Radio presents StoryCorps, an oral history project in conjunction with the National Library of Congress, recorded in May of 2013 in St. George. My name is Tom Taylor. I am 65 years old. Well, Chelsea Bundy, when I first met her, I'm guessing we're talking probably around 87 or 88, was a little three-year-old. She was with her family in a at a family outing. They were in a, in a newly developed area that uh, didn't have houses in yet, but a lot of the a lot of the other curbs and gutters and things were in. Several of her cousins and so on had uh, three-wheeler motorbikes around. Uh, they were running around on this uh, open area. One of these cousins drove it up over a, a, a little mound of dirt and down onto a sidewalk and. Little Chelsea was standing in front of a fire hydrant, and he hit her dead on right against the fire hydrant. Her father had been a was a, a an officer for the college security force and had EMT training. Scooped her up in his arms and uh, left for the hospital. They, the father and uncle broke a lot of speed limits getting to the hospital that day. As she arrived at the hospital, she was unconscious and uh, very pale and. Uh, her little tummy was starting to, to swell because there was some internal bleeding. The emergency room doctor uh, felt like uh, she probably was not going to survive. In the meantime, I, I work in the laboratory at the hospital, and uh, I happened to be on duty at that at that point. We uh, 
went to the emergency room to obtain specimens from her and weren't able to obtain any blood from her from her veins because they were pretty well collapsed. We did stick her finger enough to get a blood type out of her and she was all negative. The, the doctor and parents were in the conversation about what are we going to do and a, a doctor that works here that was brand new, uh, a general surgeon happened to walk through the ER and heard overheard the conversation and looked in on her and said, oh, come on, she's just a kid, we got to do something. And so the decision was made that they'd try to take her to surgery and see if they could find out how badly she was hurt internally. So we did type her and and uh, looked at our blood supply on the shelf and we had 10 units of, of blood available. I realized that we probably would not be able to fully treat her with the 10 units of blood that we had on the shelf if she had a major artery broken inside. I called the pathologist and told her that the situation we were in and she reluctantly gave her permission if we would only draw donors that had donated recently because of the infectious t- disease testing that those donors had had on them in a recent... Uh, and interestingly enough, our first donor that arrived was our lab supervisor, who was O-negative. She walked in and said, where do you want me? And, and we just pointed to the donor bed. And the second one in was one of our physicians, uh, who also was, was uh, O-negative. I, I know that when when we asked for blood donors, uh, we we tried to call people in that we knew and wouldn't accept anyone else. And someone got a hold of the radio station, and we had an eighteen wheeler pull off the interstate. And came guy came in and wanted to donate. We had uh, the EMTs from our ambulance service uh, came in and helped to screen the donors and to take care of some of those responsibilities, which was a huge help. In the meantime, in surgery, and they opened up her little belly and found that. Uh, a major mesenteric artery had been torn from a, her aorta. And, uh, of course, that's that's a pretty big big hole in your circulation. And so they commenced fixing that, got it back together, and, and they were going through blood all this time. And about the time they, they got that uh, that vessel reattached and, and firmly in place, uh, the fresh whole blood started getting to her. And fresh whole blood is, uh, has some very good qualities to stop bleeding and as they moved her out of the OR into the recovery area, the anesthesia got a little bit light on her, and uh, she started struggling and started flailing around, and she actually tore her arterial line out of her wrist in, in all the fighting, and they had to put that back, but everybody was really glad to see that they had a fighter on their hands. Little Chelsea continued to get better, and a day or two later, somebody brought her a big lollipop that was about three inches in diameter set it by the bedside and I don't know if that was a kind thing to do because she couldn't have anything to eat. She says, uh, can we move the sucker just a little closer to me? So then was, uh, can I hold it? Do you think it would hurt if I took one lick? These interviews were recorded at StoryCorps, a national initiative to record and collect stories of everyday people. Excerpts were selected and produced by Utah Public Radio. Support for StoryCorps on Utah Public Radio comes from Dixie Regional Medical Center, located on two campuses in St. George, serving northwestern Arizona, southeastern Nevada, and southern Utah. Information at DixieRegional.org. This is Utah Public Radio.
KUSR HD1 89.5 Logan, KUSK HD1 88.5 Vernal, KUSL HD1 89.3 Richfield, KUST HD1 88.7 Moab, and KUSUFM HD1 91.5 Logan.